When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Wisden World Cup Daily Podcast. It's taken 23 days, but we finally have our first close game of the tournament. South Africa beat Pakistan by just one wicket in Chennai to leave Pakistan's semi-final hopes hanging by a thread. Uh, But a nice timely reminder, though, that cricket can and does have close games. I'm Yaz Rana, and for part one, I'm joined by Saj Sadiq. Saj, another Pakistan defeat, but what a game. I think you summed it up perfectly just before we started recording that was Pakistan cricket in a nutshell Hi, yes thanks for having me once again yeah I mean roller coaster emotions with Pakistan cricket this is uh this is Pakistan cricket for you the highs the lows as I say the roller coaster emotions the frustration the elation um one minute you think they're down, next minute they're up. You think they're going to win, then you think they're going to lose, and then at the end they get beat. Oh, mm. heartbreak! Can really hear it in your voice. Uh, let's start with the elation. I thought Pakistan bowled so well to get themselves back in the game. I think it was the best we've seen. Jaheen bowl for a while. His pace was up. Um, Usama Mir looked dangerous. He got the big wicket of Markram. I thought Mohammed Wasim bowled well. Um, that catch from Harris Ralph was was one was something else, you know, left-handed, one-handed with his left hand, his weaker hand. Um, but then, if we go to the the, the heartbreak, the decision to bowl Muhammad Nawaz for that over when Osama Mir had overs left, what did you make of that? Well, first about that uh, Harris Ralph catch. If you look at his expressions, I don't think he could believe he caught it himself, <laughs> especially with his left hand. He was sort of like just looking around as if to say, "Have I really caught that?" Um, yeah, Nawaz. You know, he's one of those cricketers who is good, he's all right, but he never seems to do anything of note, really. And I don't mean to be too harsh on the guy, but if you watch him batting, he'll he'll get you 10, 15 runs without too many big shots. And with the ball today, he seemed to be lacking in confidence. And I was very surprised that he was given the ball at the end. You can't blame Barbarazm in terms of going with his paces, 
because he had to get 10 overs out of each of the three paces. Yep, he could have gone with uh, Osama Mir there. I, I would have personally gone with Osama Mir. I know hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, I, I was very surprised because Nawaz has got history in these tight situations where he seems to uh, choke. Mm. There seemed to be an element of confusion radiating from the Pakistan camp. I mean, at the end of the game, you saw Baba sort of having a go at Nawaz, which isn't what you really want to see from a captain immediately after the defeat. The decision to bowl Nawaz, at times I thought Pakistan could have had more slips in. They were going for the kill. You know, the tail, the South African tail didn't really look like they were going anyway, any, anywhere. Um, what did you think of how they managed the, the last stages of that game? I think in the early stages of the South African innings, certainly uh, when Markham was at the crease and Miller, I don't think Barbara Azam even believed that they could win. It was only when uh, South Africa started handing some wickets on a plate, literally, to, to Pakistan. And, you know, the, the, the word choke springs to mind regarding South Africa. And we've seen them do this on many occasions before. It was only then that I, I think Pakistan actually started to believe that they could win. There were some strange decisions from Barbara Azam in terms of field placings, as you say. I thought he gave a lot of easy singles, whereas... Bavuma, to his credit, he gave Pakistan very few easy runs when they were uh, fielding. Yeah, Barbarazam, even with some of the tail-enders there, he was giving them easy singles. And um, it was almost like he gave up on uh, trying to get Markram out. And he was the key wicket. And mm. Markram's wicket only really went through a uh, lack of concentration by him rather than anything special from the uh, the Pakistani bowlers. It was a nightmare start to the to the defence, five wides off the first delivery from Iftikhar. Shalab Khan goes off uh, with concussion shortly afterwards. Quinton de Kock hits Shaheen for four boundaries in that second over. I know Pakistan's campaign hasn't been as calamitous as England, but I think one area that they share is that when conditions have favoured spin, both teams are unstuck in both departments. Neither team have particularly strong spin attacks. And then with the bat, I thought it was quite interesting that even when South Africa were losing wickets, they really looked to attack, they really looked to hit boundaries. Whereas Pakistan just feel that like they get stuck against spin. And I thought when, with a venue at Chennai, which is spin-friendly, South Africa bring in uh, Shamsi, who takes four wickets. Pakistan can't really adapt to those conditions. What did you make, and we I know we've talked about this before, but what did you make of how Pakistan batted? Baba, again, he got to half-century, but... Strike rate was below 80 once more. What did you make of how Pakistan went with the bat? Well, I mean, the, the figures of Mohammed Nabi are stuck in my head. You know, the, the one for 31 off 10 overs, which I thought was absolutely scandalous. And that just epitomises Pakistan's approach, especially in those middle overs against spinners. You know, they've come unstuck uh, today against Shamshi. They've come unstuck against Noor Ahmed and also uh, Adam Zamper as well. So... You know, Pax, uh, the the spinners at this tournament are feasting on the Pakistani battling lineup because a they know that they're not going to attack them, and b they know that they're just going to milk them for for runs. So it's it's a a free hand really for the the spinners. Barbara Azam's strike rate at this tournament is eighty. Yeah, he got a fifty, but it was it was a a scratchy uh, affair really. It wasn't um, very fluent. And then the other batters around him when when he's at the crease. Um, with the exception of Mohamed Rizwan today, who I thought came in and from the off tried to attack the South African paces. And, you know, he wound Marco Janssen up as well. And uh, that was good to see. But the rest of the Pakistani batters, it seems to be a, a very confused approach. 
Now, Mickey Arthur in the past has said about Pakistan cricket, about the Pakistan way and how he wants his, his batters especially to bat for the team rather than individually. But you know, I'm going to make this accusation and uh, I'm going to say that some of the Pakistani batters are batting for the averages and their rankings ahead of what the team needs. Mm. Towards the end of the innings, there was a good recovery partnership from Shaquille um, and Shadab um, that, that sort of rescued the innings a, a, a little bit. I do wonder with, with Pakistan just more generally that um, if you compare this World Cup to 2019, in 2019, England were way ahead of the curve in sort of looking to get these massive scores. Whereas now it looks like teams are sort of caught up with that. More teams are capable of getting to 350 um, on, on a good day. Whereas Pakistan feels like a lot of things have to go right for them and wrong for the opposition for them to get to a score like that. And in this tournament, they're, they're, they are and they have just come up, come, come unstuck against um, the more the more powerful sides. And they just don't really have that power. I guess they tried to change things a little bit today with Iftikhar going up in the order, but he, he was sort of six or nothing against the spinners. So that, that, that didn't really seem to work either. It's, it's a predictable approach. I mean, most of the opposition teams will know what Pakistan are going to do, what the batting order by and large is going to be, the way they're going to bat in those first 10 overs, the way they're going to bat at the middle overs and how they're going to try and attack at the end. So th there's nothing, there's no surprises, there's no innovation, which I'm very surprised about, especially with an experienced, uh, experienced coach like Mickey Arthur at the helm. And uh, Barbara Azam's been a, a skipper in all three formats for a while now. So I'm, I'm really shocked at the lack of innovation. Me personally, I would have tried Barbara Azam opening the innings with Abdullah Shafiq. I would have dropped him Amal Haq and I would have moved Saud Shaquille up to number three. Saud has looked the most comfortable batter out there in these conditions for Pakistan. I know Rizwan and Barbara Azam have shown patches of brilliance. But for me, Saud Shaquille needed... Um, needed more opportunities, a, a longer time at the crease. And uh, I would have moved him up the order to three, surprised the South Africans today because they wouldn't have been expecting that. But as I said, that there's just no surprise element. There's no innovation from the, the Pakistan batting throughout the tournament, not just in one or two games, but throughout the tournament, they've been very, very disappointing and very predictable. And Barbara Azam keeps saying, oh, this is our target of 270, 280. It's almost like as soon as they get that target, the team's happy. You know, the other day against Afghanistan, oh, yeah, we wanted, to, we wanted a target of 280 and two, or 290. They got that. And uh, it's it's almost as, as if oh, jo our job's done. We'll win mm. this game now because we've got our uh, batting target. Mm. They're not out of it just yet. If they win their three remaining matches and England are one of the teams they play, they've got a decent chance of hauling in Australia, especially if Australia don't beat New Zealand tomorrow. You've suggested a couple of changes to the batting lineup. Presuming that everyone's fit and available for the next game, would you make any changes to the to the bowling department? I thought Wasim, um, his first spell was really good. Um, yeah, I think Mohamed Wasim Junior, providing he's fit, he, he's got to play. He's got to be given uh, opportunities for the rest of the tournament. Harris, Ralph, Shane, Shafidi, yeah, you've got to go with them. I thought Osama Mir started a bit slowly today, but the, he clawed it back. And then if Shadab Khan is fit, you know, possibly go with, <clears throat> excuse me, with the two leggies because Nawaz's confidence is going to be shot after today, especially with Babar Azam having a go at him at the end of the game. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd go with that bowling lineup. And then you've got, um, you know, Iftikhar Ahmed, who can, who can bowl a, a few overs. 
personally, I don't like to see if the guy Ahmed uh, opening the bowling. That's uh, that's quite worrying when I see him with the uh, the new ball in his hand. But yeah, I'd go with that uh, bowling lineup. But as I said, I think the batting needs more work on than the bowling because um, you've got to be able to experiment. You've got to be able to innovate. And you know, a lot of the teams that are doing well in this tournament have those powerful batting lineups which uh, Pakistan just don't have. As I said, it's not looking good for Pakistan, but it's not over just yet. Saj, thanks for your time. Katia will join me in part two. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Katia, South Africa have one foot in the semifinals now. Uh, the way they batted has been one of the stories of the tournament. And you sort of forget that 270 odd is still a reasonable target and their scoring rate earlier on meant that the tail had loads of time to get those final few runs but we also saw today that it's so much harder to play that way when there is scoreboard pressure do we think that we saw some cracks in their method today yeah I mean definitely like they won but it still has kind of furthered the the think thought process that South Africa are going to find it quite difficult when they're chasing it's like what it's the approach England used in in 2019 like go hard and then take the scoreboard pressure off the final overs and that worked in the sense that Maharaj and Shamsi and Ngidi when they came in didn't have to worry about trying to score runs quickly but they are two tail enders who were left to chase not an inconsiderable amount of runs in the last few overs um so yeah it, it does show that there there are quite a lot of risks in that approach when you don't have that quota of lower lower order all-rounders to come in mm. and back it up um it worked out for them today but you, you can kind of see against you know a, a team that has those seamers left to come on and bowl the final overs that would have been a different outcome you're not always going to be faced with Mohamed Nawaz and mm. Osama Mir bowling the final overs um and when South Africa do face sides like um, India and like New Zealand, that's not going to be the case. So there are definitely some questions left to answer. I, th I think the really encouraging thing is that's the kind of chase that a South Africa team of old would have choked under and, and would have hmm. gone the wrong way on. So there are positives in that sense, but there's still that lingering question of what are they going to do when the pressure's really on in the chase? Mm. Um, just a word on Keshav Maharaj. He batted for 44 minutes at the end. I thought he managed it really, really well because that Pakistan bowling attack, I think, is particularly lethal against tails. I mean, Shaheen was bowling really well, Wasim was bowling well, and Harris Strauss bowling at 95 miles per hour. And I think Maharaj is quite an interesting player in this setup anyway. I was looking at the ODI bowling rankings the other day. He's number three in the world, which caught me by surprise a little bit. And I think one of the cool things about this Africa side, which they share with two of the other front runners in New Zealand and um, India, is that they can adapt their makeup of their bowling attack depending on conditions. So today they bring in Shamsi, Shamsi comes in, takes a four for 
Um, he played one of the one of the earlier games as well. What have you made of South Africa's bowling attack? Because it is, if you take a step back, people said that South Africa are going to challenge the semi-finals, but here we are with three games to go, and they're they're, they're sort of there. They they could lose all three games and still qualify. And one of the reasons why they got there actually is as well as they batted. Janssen has bowled well. He's taken two wickets in every game. Shamsi's come and done well. Kutsir, who's playing at the World Cup before, uh, he's he's been a, a handful. And Maharaj has done well as well. What what have you made of the, the South African bowling attack? Yeah, I, well, I think when obviously they had the upset against the Netherlands, there was like a lot of concern and rightly so because they just looked like they, they were pretty toothless at the death and their plans were so rigid. Um, and there was no kind of attempt to to stem the flow of runs that it really woke people up and thought, oh, actually, no, this is, goes beyond a bit suspect. But when you compare that to today, there's actually been quite a bit of growth, I think you can say, mm. that there was a point where you thought Pakistan could genuinely get 300 there. And a chase of 300 is quite different to a chase mm. of 270. Um, but they bowled really, really well. As you said, Janssen was really, really good today. And having someone like Tabray Shamsi, who can come in as such a world-class spinner, and replace someone like Rabada um, and it on a Chennai surface strengthen your bowling attack, that's a pretty good position to be in. Mm. Um, so in terms of specialists, it kind of feels like South Africa have all the bases covered. It just needs to come together in, in the right scenarios um, and they need to get their kind of act together chasing. Mm. And Because like we say, South Africa, they're one of the best that uh, they are, if not the best batting lineup in the tournament with the most informed players, aside from maybe India. And when they're batting first, they score all these amazing innings and they threaten 400. And then as soon as you put a score on the board, it all goes mm. to pieces. So, you know, it, it's quite a funny thing, really. Yeah. Um, Josh Butler obviously didn't see it that way uh, the yeah. other day. Um, I guess if you're being hypercritical with South Africa, they haven't actually had to bowl at the death that much this tournament. So even today, I get your point. They did bowl well at the end and it could have been a lot worse for them. But at the end of the day, because of how well they did at the start, they didn't need to do too much right to restrict Pakistan at the very end. And as you're right to say, they were poor at the death against the Netherlands. And if you look at their other games, Sri Lanka scored a lot of runs against them. Uh, they sort of won the Australia game so early they didn't need to bowl at the death. They won the England game so early so they didn't need to bowl at the death. They won the Bangladesh game so well, uh, by, by so much, they didn't need to do that much to the death. And even then, Mamadullah uh, was was in for absolutely ages at the end. So I guess there, there is still a question mark there. Um, looking at tomorrow, we've got Bangladesh, Netherlands. It's not really a game that's um, going to do much to the semi-final race. Uh, but another game that is absolutely huge for the tournament in Australia, New Zealand. Um, I guess for the tournament's sake, you, you kind of want New Zealand to win that one. Interesting game, I think, uh, even without that wider table context, because I think there are two sides where it's quite hard to work out where they're at, because New Zealand had that really good start to the tournament, then they lost against India. But the teams that they beat are four of maybe even the four weakest teams at the tournament. And Australia had a poor start to the tournament, but they lost against two good sides and have now beaten three less good sides. So it's quite hard to work out where those two teams are. Yeah, completely. And that makes it all the more exciting. Like, you know, the tournament starts here. We've had a close game and now we're about mm. to see whether Australia and New Zealand are actually good. I think like the answer to that has to be they're probably both pretty good. Um, but we don't know how they completely how they match up to the likes of India and, and South Africa. Because while New Zealand lost against India last week now, mm. um, they played pretty well in that loss. Um, and India also sort of had an off day as well. So it was, yeah. it was quite, again, it was one of those games where 
it's quite hard to work out where New Zealand were. Yeah, so tomorrow we find out basically. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, David Warner looks in in pretty good nick. I think you have to say they've also got Travis Head coming back in, which is is pretty big for Australia, you think. And he's done really well to to recover from a broken hand mm. in just a few weeks. So yeah, it's going to be a, a really interesting interesting game tomorrow, um, and hopefully it, it's another close one. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Mm. Uh, well, that is it for today. Thanks, Katia. Um, Ben will be at the helm for tomorrow's show. Sports Social Podcast Network.